we found a great solution here economically to deliver the same solution to a city but without said city taking on any burden and that is the case in Fullerton. There's no financial burden to, to the city whatsoever. Welcome to episode 360 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Not long ago, fiber optic network developer Sci-Fi Networks and the City of Fullerton, California announced that they will be working together to build an open access fiber to the premise network throughout the city. They've established an aggressive timeline and a partnership in which the company will fund the infrastructure development, find ISPs to operate on it, and handle the task of connecting businesses and residents to the network. In this interview with Sci-Fi Network CEO Ben Bautry Jobson, we learn more about the company, their approach, and the plan to connect people in the Southern California city. We find out more about Sci-Fi's other projects and how they've adapted their model to suit working in the U.S. Ben explains some of the company's thoughts on micro-trenching, allocation of risk, and the many uses they foresee for the fiber network beyond Internet access for the population of Fullerton. Here's Christopher with Ben Bautry Jobson of Sci-Fi Networks. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm in Minneapolis, and today I'm talking to Ben Bautry Jobson, the CEO at Sci-Fi. Welcome to the show, Ben. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you. I'm a huge fan of science fiction, and I think we're going to be talking nothing but future interplanetary plane travel, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, perhaps. Yeah, we often get confused with our brand. <laughs> so, uh, tell me, what is uh, Sci-Fi? S-I-F-I. Uh, what is Sci-Fi all about? Sci-Fi's name actually comes about through through the technology that founded the business, which um, coincidentally uh, we we don't actually use a lot of or, or at all. But um, it's sewer infrastructure, fiber installation is, is what it stands for. But um, uh, one of our founders, Mike Harris, liked liked the way that the name played uh, played up against uh, Wi-Fi, etc. Um, but it, it seems to have stuck, and uh, and we like it. And, and what it really represents now is is the the future of of networking um, in the USA is, is where we're predominantly doing all of our business at the moment. And what is your what's your vision? Uh, so, well, our, our business is, is a developer. So, we're a, a fiber optic network developer specialising in in developing. Uh, last mile infrastructure uh, and we do so using a, a three-layer model so it's uh, the separation of, of infrastructure operations and service provision um, so our, our vision really is to create um, as, as many last mile fiber optic networks as, as we can across the uh, across the USA in in a long-term sustainable fashion so we're all about long-term dry low-yielding, risk-mitigated investments. So everything we do is based around 30-year-plus type investments, which is a little bit different to you know, traditional telecoms or technology-based investment. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's part of the reasons we set up the business is we, we believe that fiber was no longer really an entertainment medium, um, but more of a core utility, and so needed a, an, an investment structure around it that uh, enabled uh, its characteristics to be best communicated, enhanced, and then invested in by, by private capital markets. And so you mentioned uh, three different layers. Now, you build the physical layer, and what are the other layers? The three-layer model, yeah, we primarily yeah, start off with the physical layer, um, but then we are actually heavily involved through a separate entity, Sci-Fi Networks Operations, or as we call it, SNOW, 
uh, in the oper- ongoing operations and management of, of that infrastructure. The way that we treat the project is, is as a project-based finance. So each city we do is completely um, self-sufficient and sustainable in its own right. So we have uh, independent contracts from that into all, all the various partners for the project, uh, including Snow, who, who conducts the, um, the management of the network via the Network Operating Centre, and, and that's done in partnership with uh, a close partner of ours, Nokia. And then the the third layer is the independent ISPs, right? You have, and I deliberately pluralize that. Yes, exactly. Um, last but not least, on our ISPs plural, um, we believe in in creating uh, competition, not just in the short term but the long term. So wherever possible, wherever a city has sufficient scale, you know, to to justify more than one ISP into the market, we like to ensure that that there is competition um, with with a second ISP on day one. And and that uh, sort of I guess brings us to our first market where we've we've proven that out, or in the process of proving that out with uh, with our first two ISPs, uh, Ting and Gigabit Now. Great. Well, now before we talk about that first market uh, in in Fullerton, California, uh, just briefly, how did you get into all this? So I, I was uh, working with one of the the founders, uh, looking to expand out his existing businesses overseas and and looking at new opportunities. And one of the new opportunities that was put across his desk was uh, a, a novel and interesting way to deploy fiber in sewer lines, which is where the business got its name from. Um, and that was presented by Mike Harris. Um, Mike Harris is a, a telecoms expert based out of the, out of the UK. He, he originally set up his first business, uh, Total Network Solutions, sold that to British Telecom um, in back in 2005 and has been involved in telecom since um and he he brings the the telecom side of the business to to sci-fi where i was with with roland pickstock and that was more finance and um and construction orientated and so when uh, when we were presented with the opportunity to invest in fiber um roland and mike saw you know the, the vision of um the merger of fiber being uh, a real estate stroke infrastructure asset class and, and it requiring a lot of construction and a lot of finance in, in order to you know, make a, a dent in, in any market. So I was uh, tasked with doing the due diligence on, on a business plan, um, which which we uh, ultimately decided to go ahead and move forward on and go forth and try and conquer. And, and we, we found out pretty swiftly that our, our first views on the U.S. market, whilst the principles of fiber were correct, probably our, our views on executing into the U.S. market weren't quite right. And so we, we went through a couple of stages of, of pivoting around PPPs and um, and trying to work with major incumbents to no avail. Um, and ultimately, after setting up you know, a, a great platform from an operational standpoint and a partner standpoint, um, we... Uh, found the right solution and sort of cracked that economic code to to unlocking you know last mile open access networks, um, which uh, which I think is is a, a pretty well is a is a very new segment really for the U.S. market. Yes, I think it's it's quite exciting to see. I mean, it's something that has been uh, tried largely by local governments, uh, but I think has tremendous potential moving forward. Uh, so let's let's talk about where you're doing it first, and that's Fullerton. Um, you got about 140,000 people there, a city in the Los Angeles uh, metro region. Um, what is the plan for Fullerton? Yeah, so the plan for Fullerton is uh, build past every single building within the city. 
Um, we'll be doing that over the course of the next uh, two years. So it's a relatively rapid um, build build uh, build program. Yeah, I mean, then, <laughs> just sorry, just <laughs> jump in. I mean, relatively rapid. Uh, you know, one hundred and forty thousand um, people. So, I mean, what you're looking at sixty, seventy thousand premises in two years. That is a uh, remarkable, and especially with the um, um, some of the California um, challenges in terms of extra regulations. <laughs> yeah, relationships are key. Um, I don't think it's any uh, uh, any uh, sort of secret recipe. Um, uh, as to why I'm based in, in California. Um, I think you need to be on the ground. You need to be uh, working with the cities incredibly closely, um, uh, it's, especially in terms of you know, getting them through you know, expedited permitting processes and, and understanding you know, some of the nuances about the technology that we, we do implement to, to meet those types of timescales for delivery. How exactly do you plan on doing this? Are you going to be on poles? Are you going to be digging your own trenches? How does it work? We advocate for underground construction at all possible opportunities. So um, in Fullerton, I think it's about 99.5% of, of the entirety of the build will, will be underground. Um, the only parts that will be above ground are really where we aren't we are even building it, and that's our backhaul connectivity out of, out of town. Um, we, we believe in underground wherever possible um, because of the security of the asset underground um, and the uh, longevity of, of uh, the, the asset. It's a lot easier to and more cost-effective to maintain than um, having to have you know, a dozen bucket trucks running around town to deal with um, you know, lines being cut due to squirrels or, or arborists up in the, up in the trees. In one of the articles, actually, I think several of the articles mention micro trenching. Is that something you have a lot of confidence in? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we we've got a lot of faith in that. Uh, we've we've seen it. We've we've deployed it. It's not the yeah the golden bullet answer to everything. There's a, an awful lot of other ingredients that go into the mix of making you know one of these projects sustainable. But um, it does start with having a, a cost effective means to actually deploy these networks um, and micro trenching. Yeah, is a fantastic solution to do that. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're we're not going as shallow as some of the, the worrying articles you hear about from, from Google. Well, um, can you just briefly describe the the method that you use? Because I I do think some of the people have different impressions about what it entails. Um, are you cutting into streets and about how deep? Mike trenching itself um, for us it means one to one and a half inches wide. Um, you hear some micro-trenching units going out there. They're digging three inches wide, 26 inches deep. It's really sort of a, uh, uh, not, not a micro-trenching, that's more of a mini-trench, I guess. Uh, micro-trenching for us is, is narrower and shallower. Um, so we're, we're anywhere from 12 to 16, inch, 16 inches deep, uh, one to one and a half inches um, wide um, when, when, we're, when we're running our uh, micro-trenching solution. And are you going to be in any of the uh, wastewater infrastructure? Uh, I saw that was brought up, but that may have just been a, a reference to, as you said, the, a legacy of uh, of your history. Yeah, exactly. It is more of a legacy at this point. I mean, it's a, it's a very unique piece of technology that enables us to to build within the sewer lines. But it's whilst it's got um, fantastic uh, capabilities, it's limited in terms of its application. So when you're building fibers at home in the manner that we do, which is a, a mesh architecture um, where you've got multiple cabinets creating diversity throughout the city, you're, you're essentially building up and down both sides of nearly every single street. 
And importantly, if you're doing that, you're serving, hopefully, as many homes as you possibly can um, outside of the right of way. So that means you're breaking out at such regular intervals that it doesn't really make sense to, to go within a sewer line where you're restricted from your point of entry and exit by your manholes. So it, it's really great for creating metro rings, um, for fiber to the tower um, type deployments. Um, but if you're looking at true fiber to the home um, on a large scale in the last mile, it, it doesn't really have uh, much of a place um, except for you know, maybe bypassing tricky railroad easements or, or areas that are, are troublesome to get through through convention, more conventional techniques. As you're describing the going down and trying to connect every home, ideally, uh, makes me wonder if that's uh, a part of the vision you have for why you're embracing open access. Is um, you know many of the advocates, particularly in Europe and in Asia, from the ones that I've heard from, um, open access is seen as a way of really maximizing take rate because you can offer so many different services and packages. No, that's quite right. The more you can have an open environment, you create more natural competitive forces and, and thus you get improvements in service, improvements in uh, and, and diversity in types of product and price that, that uh, is going to market. The other thing about when we think about open access, we think about um, our network as being open not just for fibre to the home. It, it's open for 5G. It's open for smart city. It's open for private healthcare and educational networks to transverse it. So when we're building these networks and we're creating you know, an economic case for investment, it isn't just based around five at home. It's based around creating a, a network architecture in a city that can actually support all of the future needs of, of that city in, in one infrastructure. It's quite an unfamiliar strategy for deploying infrastructure um, to, to us Europeans to have multiple uh, similar infrastructures in place to provide the same service. So having a, a telco, a cable co, uh, and then a fiber co is is something of a odd proposition to to a European. And it's probably no coincidence that our investors are also European uh, at this stage. But you know, we are we're certainly open to working with with uh, US based investors as well. That's for sure. Um, and I and we hope that you know they will they will be uh, strong advocates of this type of solution as well. Because um, we believe, yeah, through through better market competition and dynamics, yeah, you do get a better take rate ultimately. Um, and the more demand points that you can utilize across the city, whether it be fibers at home, whether it be smart city applications, or private networks for for health and education, yet the ultimately the the lower you can start to bring down that that wholesale point, which then enables more affordable services to to then ride over it as well or create new opportunities where services were previously too costly. Uh, for example, your smart city services. Um, yeah, the main barrier to deploying smart city is the cost of connectivity. Now, if you can pay for the vast majority of your, your returns that you need to meet investors' needs through fibers of home and, and private networks um, and, and set 5G, 4G connectivity, uh, you can bring down that cost of a demand point to a city to such a point where actually deploying you know, smart city applications like um, smart um, metering or skater systems or, or smart streetlights uh, can all become very possible um, because you're bringing down that cost. You were mentioning some of your investors, and um, I think it's worth highlighting that uh, you and your investors are taking on the risk. You're not asking uh, Fullerton to guarantee you uh, any revenue, I don't think, or to um, provide you any kind of backstop. Is that right? 
Yeah, 100%. We have a private, uh, 100% privately funded model. There is a bit of confusion in the market around sci-fi about what we used to do, which which was yeah, advocate for and, and try to work with municipalities for uh, the municipality themselves taking some ownership and, and, and thus risk in the network. We pushed down that river for for a long time and didn't yield many results. So um, whilst we think that's a great model, um, we, we found uh, a great solution here e- economically to deliver the same solution to a city, but without uh, that said city taking on any burden. And that is the case in Fullerton. There's no financial burden to, to the city whatsoever. And so would you say that at this point you're, you've kind of added a new model and you could return to that as you've, um, you know, as you build up Fullerton, if a city is saying, no, we'd, you know, we'd be open to, to taking on some risk. That's still a possibility for working with you in the future? I, I wouldn't close the door. Um, I'd say it, it, would be, it would have to be a compelling um, opportunity to, to go down that path again. I think we, we learned a lot of lessons about thinking that opportunities were there from the various you know, governmental leaders and authorities and then, and then you know, investing a lot of our uh, time, energy and, and efforts into it and, and unfortunately not, not getting to an end result despite yeah, the project having fantastic merit. So I, I think if we, if, you know, if we were approached by a city that was, that was wanting to go down that route, um, we'd be very open to having a discussion and, and certain lessons learned with them. And if, if those lessons learned you know, mean that they're, they're still you know, very eager to, to push forward and go down that route, then, then we would be open to, to looking at it. But I wouldn't say it's our first priority. We're not going out there at the moment seeking those opportunities. But if they come our way, um, we're, we're happy to have those discussions. That makes sense. Um, you, know, you have an interesting... Uh, area and from my perspective because I'm um, strongly supportive of open access I'm also very focused on um, community ownership um, and so I'm always curious when I look at an approach that you're bringing up is um, because you own the network um, I don't know what your contracts with uh, ting and um, and gigabit now are uh, but I'm curious if in a few years you were to say you know what maybe we want to change our business model and just go with one provider for instance um, you know what kind of a risk is there of that sort of thing happening in in a given city that we go to that that's not really uh, possible um, so for instance in Fullerton yeah that that won't be happening due to our, the nature of our agreements um, when we go to other cities it's it's really a, a, an economic exercise of of what makes sense in that city you know, you go to a city of a certain size it, it's hard to get a a great ISP you know like a gigabit now like a ting um, to engage in that if if there isn't enough uh, if there aren't enough subscribers available in that market um, to actually make it worth their investment once we deploy the capital you know they still need to be deploying all, all the various operational needs for, for marketing sales in, in that in that community um we still bear bear the burden of all the maintenance etc of the infrastructure on sci-fi side but it's still a, a a big commitment into a community for for an isp when they think about you know the marketing and sales activities they have to deploy so yeah some of it's an economy to scale argument yeah for, from a philosophical standpoint um, myself personally, I believe that the the prior model that we had, the, the you know the PPP model for municipalities, um, was probably the best for the resident. You know, it brought down you know cost of of capital, cost of money is cheaper with a municipal underwrite, um, and ultimate you know, ownership possibilities that there were um, in the types of agreements and deals that we had, probably led to ultimately the best solution for the end customer. You know, in the long run. 
but unfortunately too too many um political barriers in in the way to to getting those projects off the ground um and and i'd say this is probably uh, i believe the the very next best alternative where you can have a, a fully privately funded network and and still have you know the three layer model and still have competition on the network so can you tell us anything about any other projects you're working on any other communities that uh, uh we should know about uh, I can't go into too many details that aren't already in public domain, but you know, we are we're, we're heavily active in um, East Hartford in Connecticut. We're we're very active in uh, Saratoga Springs in New York, um, and also in Salem, Massachusetts, where you know in those three cities we have we won RFPs um, to for to, for us to have development agreements. And some of them have smart city components on day one, where where we will you know, be providing connectivity for smart city applications um, from from day one on those networks. And you know they're they're not in you know build live phase yet, um, but you know stay tuned and they shouldn't be too far away. And we're working with you know um, I'd say a few dozen other cities at the moment um, looking into 2020. So there's 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 no shortage of cities that need this, Chris, and I'm, I know you know that already. <laughs> That's right. Um, so we we do have a bit of a almost a wait list accruing, which is a great situation to be in. But yeah, it's it's exciting times. I think uh, now that we've managed to sort of crack the economic code on on you know competitive or open access um, privately funded networks, um, it's going to be a really interesting next couple of years. And I guess the last question that pops into my head is. I presume that other ISPs could um, could join the network. Um, I'm assuming you're not going to. I mean, 140,000 uh, population. That's um, one. Of, that would be one of the larger municipalities um, in terms of municipal fiber, if it was. And so, in my mind, I know that it could support many more ISPs on an open access network. Yeah, I think it's always that dichotomy of of uh, finding uh, an attractive uh, proposition for uh, the ISP. At the same time as balancing out you know, the economic situation uh, to ensure that there's enough security. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. You know, on a fully open access basis, the Fullerton can definitely handle more ISPs on that network. However, getting getting the ISPs engaged and interested to to operate in an in an open access environment you know, with the same credibility and um, and track record of, of the likes of Gigabit now and Ting, that that's a, another story yeah we, we always are, are balancing between between those two factions and that, what i think will happen is that over the course of the next few years you'll see two things happen one more confidence in this type of model as we as we build it out roll it out and, and find success and and two um more isps uh, getting more confident in in not having to own and control all the infrastructure themselves, which has you know been the way for so long. You know, regional ISPs still building out you know the rural networks or or suburban networks in the various markets um, is 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 quite uncommon in the rest of the planet, but very common here. Um, and so I think as we get to scale and then we have more cities that that are a good working base cases uh, for ISPs to join, then then hopefully. You know, there'll be other ISPs that, that come along and say that they, they'd want to be part of the journey. I hope so. And I, I wish you a lot of luck because I've 
I've long felt that we won't truly know what's possible with open access. I mean, uh, in terms of we already know that it can lower prices. That's pretty obvious and and um, not hard to prove. Um, but it'll be curious to see what happens with innovation when we have a million, five million customers on open access networks and we see what comes next. So I really appreciate your contribution to that cause. No, well, five million is not a bad target to get to. <laughs> yes. If, if we could get there alone, we'd be very pleased. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today. No, thanks a lot, Chris. It's been great. That was Ben Bautry Jobson sharing more about the plan to develop a fiber optic network in Fullerton, California. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at MuniNetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules Podcast. You can access them wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount helps keep us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle licensed through Creative Commons, and thank you for listening to episode 360 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Mm-hmm.